Exotropia. Princess. Iceberg. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. Okay, and my first story today is food news. And this is from NPR. Uber's online-only restaurants, the future or the end of dining out? Oh, goodness. That's the headline. So dramatic. I know. (laughs) So there are now about 800 virtual restaurants in the U.S. which only exist online and deliver food through Uber Eats. Is that interesting? Wow, yeah, I I did not know that. Yeah. Um, These are often created when enough customers look through the Uber Eats app for a certain type of food in their area that they can't find. Quote, when we see people searching for something but not finding it, that signals to us that there's an opportunity and there's unmet demand, says Elise Propis, who leads Uber Eats Virtual Restaurant Initiative across North America. As part of this initiative, Uber often approaches eateries and suggests creating a virtual side restaurant with dishes people are craving but can't get. The article gave an example of a bakery in Brooklyn, New York, which makes burgers on the side for Uber Eats as part of their virtual business. But they're like a bakery, so they don't. Oh, they wait. don't actually... People can't find a burger in New York? Okay, maybe it's... I don't know. Maybe that's a weird example, but that's what, that was like the main example yeah. in this article was that they interviewed these people that they have a bakery. They don't actually sell like burgers or sandwiches like that in their physical store, right. but they have this random grill in the back or something and some, <laughs> somewhere in the establishment where they like make burgers and like give it to Uber Eats people and deliver it to people. So I don't oh, know. Okay. So according to this article, that bakery has increased its sales by 30% since doing this. Wow. So it's like been pretty good for them. Right. Uh, Uber says this helps restaurants grow their business and cater better to customers. But there are mixed feelings in the industry about whether these virtual restaurants are a good thing. <laughs> While they can boost business, Uber takes a cut of the profits, plus delivery fees raise the cost for customers. Daniela Galarza, a senior editor of Eater Magazine, says that as millennials get older, they're turning to time-saving services like Uber Eats. Quote, they're starting to have children. They need things that are convenient, that are easy for them. And dining out isn't always easy with young children, she says. That's a fair point. I think it's fair. I mean, I don't know if I always like these like lumping millennials into like a thing, but whatever. <laughs> it's pretty fair. Um, but not everyone sees Uber Eats and the virtual restaurant as a natural solution. One Texas restaurant owner is particularly passionate about his disdain for the company's entry into the restaurant business. And he says, you know, I haven't had the stones to say, all right, cut them off. Although many, many people would love to just tell Uber to go, you know, jump off a bridge. (laughs) Jay Jarrier, owner of the Kane Rosso Wood-Fired Pizzerias in Texas. I love love the voice that you've given him. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to be able to recreate that, but... He says they charge us between 30 and 35% of the bill. Wow. It's like a huge market that Uber giant charges them. Chunk. Yeah. Um, and then the customer pays anywhere from two bucks to six bucks for the delivery, plus a service fee, plus credit card fees. So, like, the restaurant itself isn't really making that much right. off of the sale. Like, Uber's making a lot of it, but I don't know. Jerrier says that all the promises, that for all the promises of expanding a customer base, delivery is never as profitable as someone dining in and ordering a glass of wine and dessert. But it's not just about the money. Jerrier, like so many in this business, loves being a part of the dining experience, and he wonders if we are losing that. That's kind of how it ends. But yeah. like, I don't think that's going anywhere, though. I, 
no, it's too convenient. And I think a lot of people do like eating out and that experience themselves. So I think, yeah, sorry. I thought you meant the other thing. Um, (laughs) so I think that they're both can thrive and still be good. Yeah. Where they're both existing. No, I think think there's enough people and enough market for both of those sides of the business. Right. I think the, the one person made a really good point about people with kids, like maybe not even necessarily millennials. Um, no, I guess just in general. Yeah. Um, like people with kids dining out's really hard, but you might yeah. still want to order food in. And right. Ha- I mean, Uber Eats just expands the number of options you can have. Right. This episode that, is not brought to you by Uber Eats. We just, I, I just we're, say we're, this is right. This is <laughs> not brought to you by Uber Eats, but yeah. <laughs> However, if they it's wanted like, to, no. yeah, and, and that's <laughs> <laughs> if, <laughs> if you uh, work for Uber Eats and you're listening to this, um, send us an email. Okay. <laughs> And you'll get more great coverage like this. <laughs> we'll order from you so that it's delivered while we're recording the show. And then we'll interact with the delivery person and have a weird segment. I don't know. <laughs> or not. We're not going to do that. Okay. I'm done now. <laughs> the first story that I brought is random local news. This comes from CBS. The headline reads, Gold digging dog pretends to be a stray to get hamburgers from McDonald's, owner says. <laughs> <laughs> did you see well, this? I, I love no, this story. No, I did not see this. So, a dog owner in Oklahoma is calling out her own pup for scheming to get free McDonald's hamburgers. <laughs> Her name is Betsy Rays of Oklahoma City, and she says that her dog, Princess, sneaks out at night and sits outside McDonald's pretending to be a stray. <laughs> uh, she shared photographic evidence of her sneaky dog sitting in the local McDonald's parking lot at night. And this is, I think this is a tweet from her. If you see my dog at McDonald's, on, at the McDonald's on Shields, quit feeding her fat um, rear because she doesn't know how to act and be leaving the house all the time to go walk into McDonald's at night. She's not even a stray dog. <laughs> <laughs> and she calls uh, Princess a gold digger who acts like a stray so people feel bad for her. <laughs> so she's really uh, wow. really ripping on her own dog yeah. here. Uh, she decided to catch her dog in the act. She drove to McDonald's on Monday night and found Princess there waiting to be fed. A woman was seen reaching out of her car window to throw Princess some food. <laughs> <laughs> and after catching her, Ray's pulled up her car and set, and her dog immediately recognized her, <laughs> started wagging her tail. And the article speculates whether it was for happiness or an embarrassment for being caught. <laughs> <laughs> well, dogs are smart, so yeah, they know how that, to get food. That dog has figured out the game. Yeah. And there's there's a there's a picture in the article and the dog is looking very uh very large and happy. <laughs> <laughs> very proud of herself princesses mm. okay my next one uh, is kind of interesting and i'm gonna call this historical health science news <laughs> that's a category we've never had before <laughs> yeah probably never will again <laughs> probably <laughs> okay so the headline is oh and this is from cnn the headline is rare eye condition was behind da vinci's genius research claims <laughs> oh A rare eye condition helped Leonardo da Vinci paint distance and depth of objects on flat surfaces with the accuracy which he became famous for, new research claims. 
Da Vinci, one of the world's most celebrated painters, had intermittent exotropia, a type of eye misalignment in which one eye turns outward, according to a study published last Thursday in the journal JAMA Ophthalmology. Quote, looking at his work, I know... Why am I doing this? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're voicing all your characters this time. It's exciting. Looking at his work, I noticed the pronounced divergence of the eyes in all of his paintings, explained the study's author, Christopher Tyler, a research professor at City University of London and the Smith Kettlewell Eye Research Institute in San Francisco. Analyzing the direction of the gaze in six likely self-portraits of da Vinci, two sculptures, two oil paintings, and two drawings, Tyler found that some of the work showed signs of exotropia with the eyes looking at an outward angle. Tyler assessed the eye condition by drawing circles to the pupils, irises, and eyelids on each painting and measuring their positions. When he converted the measurements into an angle, the results showed that da Vinci had an exotropia tendency with one eye turning negative 10.3 degrees outward when relaxed. (laughs) It's like a a lazy eye thing. Um, But the master artist could revert his eye to a straight alignment when focused. So like... It just when was he, when he was like relaxing his eyes, it would lo- be like that. Wow. Tyler believes that Da Vinci's left eye was affected by the condition, but it is not easy to be sure. Exotropia only affects about one percent of the world population. If he did have exotropia, it would have allowed Da Vinci to see the world from a different angle. The condition contrasted with the regular vision of his other eye to help him develop a strong understanding of three-dimensional objects. Tyler said this ability made it possible for most of Da Vinci's artworks to have the precise shadowing. I'm sorry, shading he is known for. Hmm. Similar research techniques have been used to prove that other great painters, such as Rembrandt, Edgar Degas, and Pablo Picasso, also had various types of eye misalignment. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I've never heard that before. I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize that could affect your perception so much that it makes you a better artist. Yeah, apparently. Because hmm. you have like different depth perception apparently and that can help with when you're like translating it onto yeah canvas or something you you must just have like a better sense of depth because of how i don't know i don't really know yeah i'm sure there's like a physics explanation for this that this didn't go into in a ton of detail but like like, i'm trying to think like because one of your eyes is at a different distance from its target a lot of the time but you can also get it to the same distance i don't you know what I really think is know. weird is like, wouldn't this only matter if the eye was like physically like, <laughs> like in if a he had an eye stalk, like if <laughs> that, like, <laughs> popped out the side of his you head. You couldn't see this, but I was like sort of motioning, like mo- <laughs> shifting my eye over to like the side of my head in a weird spot. Like if it was like at a really other angle that right. you would be able to see a lot more because it's yeah, like 10 point but, something degrees doesn't but really just seem shifting like it would make that big of a difference. The like direction of the eye why does that help with depth perception i don't know but apparently it does this is know. a known thing so <laughs> known to known to other people <laughs> to others uh, <this> no <laughs> some people know about this <laughs> so it must be legit <laughs> <laughs> and now you all do too and you can mm-hmm. all spread the word <laughs> yeah so yeah and then I'm, <laughs> this is, <laughs> I'm sorry but i'm just imagining like pablo picasso if you just think about his artwork, like, he, <laughs> what did he actually look like? I don't know, but hopefully it wasn't what his cubism people No, his, like. his face actually just looked like a bunch of cubes. <laughs> his eyes were, like, completely, like, gonna have a, from each other. We're going to have a study just in a like couple years. It's just like, oh, this, this makes sense now. He was, he's a cube oh, face. Wait, 
Recent research compares a portrait of Picasso himself <laughs> with his artwork. He clearly was doing self-portraits in all his <laughs> cubism. It's like, that's just a funny thing I thought of. Anyway. <laughs> all right. My next story is science news. And I found this on Gizmodo, but I actually saw it on a couple websites while I was doing research. Uh, NASA releases more pics of freaky rectangular iceberg. I saw this, and this is one of my stories. <laughs> so I guess we'll both we have, have the to same story. Do it then, okay? Yeah, I'll let you do it, and I'll add anything if I. What, add anything. what article did, or what website did you find it on? On NPR. Okay, good. So maybe they'll have some stuff that it, mm-hmm. that Gizmodo didn't. Anyway. Um, New photos of a surprisingly rectangular iceberg are offering a full picture of this strange Antarctic structure. Uh, scientists within NASA's Operation Icebridge released a photo last week that only showed uh, um, like a half of this iceberg. Um, and with much of it out of frame, it wasn't clear just how geometric the entire structure really was. But from just that picture, it looks like it's just this weirdly perfect rectangle, almost mm-hmm. as if somebody had carved it. Uh and obviously, you're going to want to see the pictures of this. I realize yeah. I realize that I'm talking about a, a picture-heavy story on a audio medium, but um, new photos released by Icebridge, Icebridge scientists reveal that it's not a perfect rectangle, but it is still a highly angular quadrilateral. Um, I think that technically it is a trapezoid because two of the sides do appear to be parallel, but mm. the other ones are not. Okay. Um, these photos were captured by iceberg senior support scientist Jeremy Harbeck, who spotted the tabular iceberg near the Larsen Sea ice shelf. Uh, tabular icebergs are the products of uh, calving ice shelves. That is when large chunks of ice suddenly break loose, and they're known for their highly angular lines and smooth tops. So that explains like the very <laughs> sheer and precise sides. It's it's ice just sliding right off. Mm-hmm. Um, I should I do a voice? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I thought it was pretty interesting, said Harbeck in a NASA statement. I often see icebergs with relatively straight edges, but I've not really seen one before with two corners at such right angles like this one had. I don't know why he's got an accent, because he's... I love it, though. He's definitely... I'm pretty sure he's American. But uh, anyway, NASA's Operation Icebridge is an ongoing mission to monitor polar regions and track the planet's global climate system. It's currently in the midst of a five-week project to chart icebergs in the northern Antarctic Peninsula. And that's all that I had. So do you want to fill in anything else? Yeah, that, that's pretty much most of the details I had. Um, I had another expert, which I could quote <laughs> and do a special voice for, because that's fun. Um, my article quoted sea ice specialist... Alec Petty. How do you get into that job? I don't know. I was also wondering that. I like ice, but I want it to be real big. <laughs> I like ice. <laughs> I I would expect maybe you maybe you go into like marine biology or something, and then you end up like doing some type of field internship in Antarctica, and then you start studying Just ice instead. Fascinated. I mean, ice, or maybe you're a geologist first. I ice, don't know. Ice can be. Beautiful in its own way. But also, if I was a marine biologist, I would choose a warmer assignment, I think. Maybe you can't choose. Maybe you're just assigned. Oh. 
<laughs> I have no idea. You're a marine biologist, and then you're just assigned to a position in the mi- in the Somewhere. marine biology network. And this um, man's a sea heist specialist. Um, so Alec Petty is a research scientist with NASA's Operation Ice Bridge, which is the group that took this photo, mm-hmm. um, and it's based at the NASA Goddard Space the, the the NASA Goddard Space Flight <laughs> Center. Um, and his quote is, he says. These happen where we have these really wide floating floating ice shelves connected to land. The ice is being kind of spread out in this very thin layer. And Petty says, because it's ice and it's brittle, if that gets too weak and it comes into contact with something else, it can shatter and kind of break apart. I don't know why I sound like a British woman. I I don't know why. Such a proper gentleman. But I was just going to add that he kind of says, like, if you he made an analogy to a plate shattering, like if you dropped a plate on the floor and like the big kind of shards that it would break into, like the edges of that are pretty straight. And he said it's kind of similar to that process. And that's why they end up with straight edges. Yeah, it's just it's wild looking. Yeah, the, the picture is like. We're, our words cannot do it justice. You really do need to see it for yourself because it, it it looks so unnatural. Yeah, I I don't I've never seen anything like this. To be honest, it's like what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, since that was also my story, we're going to go back to Anthony now. <laughs> what was your last story, Anthony? So that was Alex's last story, and uh, my last story is health news. A lot of science and health for you this time. Mm-hmm. And burger dogs. Anyway, <laughs> this is from CNN, and it's bad news for me. Tall people at greater risk of cancer, study says. I saw that headline too, but yeah. I didn't read that one. So this was, I found this really fascinating, actually. Uh, tall people are at a greater risk of cancer simply because they have more cells in their body, new re- research has suggested. Oh, oh my goodness. Which seems like such a simple explanation when you really think about it. Like, yeah. Actually, it does. If there's a chance of cancer in, like, any, any given type of cell, yeah. like, you have the more. The more cells you have, then, yeah. Uh, but they were actually able to to prove this uh, correlation and um, correl- causation. I guess it's causation. In this case, because it is actually it, leading to they it. They proved causation? Yes. It's oh, okay. For this correlate. Um, so a person, at, uh, or actually, I don't know. I probably shouldn't say that. That's probably not accurate. Well, so I actually, had that's a, a good, they had I actually a, don't know how you do that. There's because definitely, you can there was prove definitely a correlation. a correlation, and now they've, they seem to know the reason is the fact that there's more. Like, the, the, the hypothesis here was that the risk is because there are more cells. And they did something to, and they seemed to, yeah. like, they, confirm I that? I think they support that in this study. Okay. So, I don't okay. know. I'm not a that's cancer okay. scientist. Yeah, uh, that, that's okay. We're, we're, we're honest here that we don't, we're not experts <laughs> in everything, but... Or anything. <laughs> or anything. Uh, so, they actually put some numbers to it, though. A person's risk of developing cancer increases by 10% for every four inches that they are over the average height. Um, for uh, men, that height is five foot nine inches. For huh. women, that height is five foot four inches. So oh, okay. See, in case, be, so wait, how tall I'm, are you? I'm six two. Okay. So slightly more than ten percent um, risk or increased so, risk. Okay. 
Um, so let's see, I'm five seven, so so it's slightly less than 10%. Slightly less than ten percent. Okay. Uh, but hold on, the news gets worse for you, actually. Oh, uh, oh no. <laughs> the finding, uh, but before that, the findings match with previous research, which has also connected height to an increased risk of developing a range of health problems, including blood clots, heart problems, and diabetes. And they actually list a uh, link to another article that suggests tall people have a higher risk of varicose veins as well. So Really? Yeah. Wow, um, I've never I didn't, heard any of that. I didn't read up on that one. I don't actually know what the, the cause is there. Huh. Um, but uh, uh, Leonard Nunney, a professor of biology at the University of California, Riverside, analyzed previous sets of data on people who had contracted cancer, each of which included more than 10,000 cases for both men and women. So a large sample yeah. size and compared the figures with anticipated rates based on their height. He tested the hypothesis. He tested the hypothesis that this was due to the number of cells against alternatives, such that possible hormonal differences in taller people uh led to an increased rate of cell division or other causes like that. So a link was found between a person's total cell number and their likelihood of can- of contracting cancer in 18 of the 23 cancers that they tested for. So most of them. Wow. So not great news. The research also found that the increase is in risk is greater for women with taller women, 12% more likely to contract cancer and taller men, 9% more likely to do so. I don't really know how that works in with the like, height or the numbers based 10% risk earlier, but I'm sure there's an explanation. It's in a research paper. Right. Okay. So it must be true. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I just meant people can look it up. Yeah, no, I I know. I know. know, know. (laughs) Just joking. Don't believe that. Don't believe everything. Don't believe everything you read, but but there's some credibility here. Yeah. Uh, Right. Colon and kidney cancer and lymphoma were among the types of cancer for which the correlation was strongest. And um, some good news at the end here. Researchers note that the increase in risk of developing cancer is relatively small compared to the effects that lifestyle changes like quitting smoking or losing weight can have. So it's not, it it sounds large, like 12, 9, 10% all sound like significant changes, but you have a lot of things that you can do in your life to like greatly lower the risk of cancer comparatively. Right. And the other thing with... (laughs) That's a really happy story. (laughs) When you're looking at like percent change, you have to know absolute values too. Otherwise, it's hard to figure out the scale of what that actually means. Like example is like, let's say like if I have 0.1% chance of getting cancer and it's now 10% higher, right? (laughs) that's like not a big deal. That's That's basically negligible. And you can, and you can reduce your risk by doing things like quitting smoking and and losing weight. So, right. So for the listeners, keep that in mind too. So like, you know, we don't know what the absolute numbers are, but they, they indicated that they're pretty low because I think those other risk factors actually like really significantly raise your chances, but Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's that's that still was, really interesting that like, I thought it's correlated so too. with height. Like, yeah, I but never it, it's, thought that. It just, it's so it's such a simple explanation too that I think anyone can really understand. Yeah, like, more cells, more potential. It's true. Yeah. yeah. So should we do breaking news? I think we should. I'm excited. Okay, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. That sounds great. Ready, set. set. Go! Okay, so the first one that I found is this um, 
Did you see this thing about the guy from Friends lookalike? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, you might have seen this already because it's going viral right now. But apparently someone who looks like David Schwimmer, who was Ross in the hit show Friends, <laughs> um, robbed a store and the police posted a photo of him um, that they got on a security camera of him with holding a case of beer and he looks just like it Ross. Looks exactly like him. And, and now all these people are posting on their Facebook page and making jokes. Um, but they haven't caught the guy yet. And the article here on CNN is basically just like a bunch of the jokes. Yeah. Like, it's just people like making quotes and stuff like and some of the things Ross has said. And then what's extra funny is that um, David Schwimmer posted a video of himself <laughs> holding a case of beer and like walking with that face, like through a store. Like he's like, see, I was, I was in America when this happened. Cause the crime happened somewhere in England. And he's like, posted this video on social media of him walking with a case of beer through the store, looking like that guy. And it's just really, really funny. It's really good. But, the, but other than the things I've just said, there's no actual like news other than that. Right. So they, they don't know who did it. <laughs> right. They don't, they don't know who the person actually is like their real identity and they don't know, they haven't found them yet, but that person is wanted for an actual robbery right now. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they'll turn themselves in just to get like the attention while it's still like a hot story. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Because it's such a small crime. I doubt it would get any coverage in in, like a week or whatever. So apparently he wasn't stealing the beer. He stole like a jacket and a wallet or something. Oh. But that just happened to be the, like the camera footage they had of him. Oh. Was that, still or whatever was he was holding beer in it or something yeah, yeah. so so but funny yeah. i'm anyway. glad i'm i'm glad that uh david schwimmer is being a good sport about it yeah he's totally being a good like he does he thinks it's hilarious like, it's like <laughs> well it's funny because i think they actually like they the police actually posted like we have cleared david schwimmer of this crime like <laughs> and i don't know if they were just joking around or if they actually were like okay let's check his alibi my right. actor but like he wasn't even anywhere near there when it happened. So <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, the story that I'm, I found, and uh, don't panic at the headline, <laughs> but uh, oat cereals snack bars test positive for trace amounts of weed killer in Roundup. <gasps> so, again, <laughs> that, was, that was a large reaction. Okay, but. <laughs> Don't panic. I just said don't panic, Alex. Yeah, I, I was Alex, panicking. stop panicking. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, this is from CBS News. Uh, two months after releasing an alarming report on herbicides in cereals and other food marketed to children, an environmental adv- advocacy group is back with additional findings. This time they tested trace amounts of, um, oh boy, I should have thought of this, uh, thought of how to pronounce this before, but it looks like glyphosate, but I'm not sure if it's like glyphosate or glyphos- glyphosate. It's probably like glyphosate, um, which is the active ingredient in Monsanto's weed killer Roundup. And they found it in um, all but two of 28 samples of products that were made with conventionally grown oats. Um, All samples tested within within the range of the limits that were deemed uh, acceptable by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. So... uh, they're technic- it's not on they're, safe levels they're of it. They're federally safe, but this group tests at a, uh, they test a uh, much uh, lower benchmark, um, 160 parts per billion. 
um, where the the highest level of this substance that they found in the lab was 2,837 parts per billion in um, an oatmeal squares breakfast cereal from Quaker. Uh, ten, 10 of the samples were like different kinds of Cheerios uh, and 18 were uh, other Quaker brand products. So pretty big names. Uh, and the oh, World yeah. Health Organization has deemed the, te- the chemical a, uh, quote, probable carcinogen. Oh, man. So, so, uh, so if this... you're tall, don't eat these cereals. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Yes. <laughs> a good, I, that's why I laughed. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway... <laughs> This group claims that they believe, um, due to long-term exposure, that uh, the federal like levels are out of date and are too and are too high. The acceptable levels are too mm. high, um, and they argue that they uh, that you limit daily consumption to zero point zero one milligrams a day, which for a sixty gram portion of food is one hundred sixty parts per billion, which is where they got their value. Oh, okay. Um, and they're, yeah, they're, they're just worried about, uh, small repeated exposure over the course of your life. But again, all that said, it probably is fine. So don't like panic. It's not like they found like a whole bunch, like, it's not like your cereals filled with weed killer. Yeah. Uh, it's still a pretty small portion, but it is just something Something to be aware of that Something it's to in be aware there. Of, yeah, that I mean, it in is like, in there. like any anything that's grown is going to have some level of pesticide I in know. it, like unless it's or, unless, unless it's, it's organic, completely organic, and yeah. like actually organic, right? Um, so you're probably eating a ton of pesticides every day. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> <Sorry>. yeah. <laughs> and I also, you know, this wasn't one of my stories, but I keep seeing stuff about they find microplastics, like oh yeah. In people's bodies now right because because like they end up in fish and other kinds of food and they're they're so small that they're like in the tissues of the food that we're eating right they're they've like permeated everything and they're like in your body like i just keep like almost every week i see something else about like oh microplastics were found here microplastics were found here and it's like really depressing actually it's gonna be interesting (laughs) as our generation gets old like what kind of like chemicals and materials are just part of us well, yeah, because we are absorbing the things that we eat, right? Right, so. yeah. It's, when it's weird when you think about that, but... Sorry for both of my like last couple stories being about like health scares. But <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I guess it's better to know. Yeah, it's better to know. And like we said, like you don't have to freak out about this stuff. It's just like right. an awareness thing and you talk through it. and Now you're aware. Now you're aware. Okay, so I decided I'm going to do a bonus story since we were missing one story in the other section, and I also found two breaking news that I wanted to share, so I'm going to do another one. Um, So this is from The Guardian, and the headline is, Twisted Fiber Optic Light Breakthrough Could Make Internet 100 Times Faster. What? But it's already so fast. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we need it to be 100 times faster? How much faster faster could it get? (laughs) Well, since you've asked that question, 10 million. No, oh, wow. You're breaking out an accent and you're not even voicing somebody. <laughs> yeah, that, that was just me. I don't know. Um, so, okay. A new development in fiber optics could make internet speeds up to 100 times faster by detecting light that has been twisted into a spiral. 
This is going to get a little physics heavy. I'm just warning you. Okay. The research published in the journal Nature Communications can be used to easily upgrade existing networks and uh, significantly boost efficiency, according to the scientists. Fiber optic cables use pulses of light to transmit information, but currently the information can only be stored through the color of the light and whether the wave is horizontal or vertical. See, I didn't even even know that. Um, By twisting the light into a spiral, engineers effectively create a third dimension for light to carry information, the level of orbital angular momentum or the spin. And they say it's like DNA if you look at the double helix spiral. Like the more you can use angular momentum, the more information you can carry. That is so cool. Isn't that awesome? Um, so researchers in the U.S. had previously created a fiber that could twist light, but this team is the first to create a reasonable-sized detector that can read the information in the twisted light. Um, and previous detectors were really big, like the size of a dining table, but this new one is the width of a human hair. So it's very oh, small. wow. And it's, <laughs> it's like actually practical to use right. in a fiber optic, optic cable now. Um, so yeah, and then... The rest of it kind of talks about like the current state of fiber optic cables and like what it would take to upgrade them and stuff. But the technology exists now. That is so cool. Isn't that cool? Ah, that's <laughs> amazing. Just, I was reading this and I'm just like, wait, they twist the light into a spiral? Like, how do you even do that? <laughs> but it's cool because the that? more the more like variables you have on like the light that you're transmitting, the more information you can actually represent right. with. With the, the light. different very Yeah. Ah, Isn't that awesome? That's so cool. <laughs> and the other thing is I love how they compared it to DNA because I also love when, when like technology mimics things in nature. Yeah. Because a lot of things in technology actually mimic things in nature. Mm-hmm. Like you think about like there's a lot of like awesome, like simple but really effective designs of things have some type of inspiration of something in nature that already figured out how to do that right. basically. And it's just like very cool to me. So yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I thought that was really cool. Yay, fast internet. Woo! Netflix, fast, Netflix, fast, Netflix. Fast, stream fast. it, stream it. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Netflix. <laughs> Just kidding, Apparently. it's not. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, the links to this week's stories will be posted in the episode description. But before we keep going, we have a special announcement. What? What? Oh, wait, I'm announcing it. Um, what? <laughs> So this is our 25th episode, which we're excited about because it's yeah. kind of like a mini milestone for us. So pretty cool. Um, to go along with that, we are announcing that we have merch now. Yes. So if you want to buy a t-shirt with our logo on it, you can do that. And you can do that by going to redbubble.com and searching Knickknack News and you'll see um, some items come up with our logo on them. And if you... Um, just letting you know, it's not ju- not just the previews that come up. If you actually right. click one of those, there's a bunch of options of different. Like, you can put them on all and, kinds of products. Yeah, like I you think can, you can put them on like iPhone cases. Yeah, like they have like cases and like mugs and this whole line of like different like cut and styles of t-shirts that all are like the same logo, but just like on a different type of t-shirt, basically. Oh, and and stickers, stickers of yeah, our logo yeah, too. <laughs> I think there's also one that's like a glass like paperweight thing too. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll get one for us. <laughs> yeah it's like it's on this like it, i don't know it's like the logo on this glass thing <laughs> that's awesome but anyway yeah so go to redbubble.com and check it out and um 
it's fun and then if you have any ideas for other things that you want us to post on there let us know like send us an email yeah um, we have our uh, email address is knickknacknews at gmail.com it's really easy to remember yep um, so yeah so go ahead and or, or through Facebook or social media or wherever you can send us ideas if you want us to put more stuff onto that website because it's really easy for us to do actually so it's, it's super easy yeah and yeah any any ideas you come up with we can make a product for it and if you buy it then you'll be helping show people like our show and advertising yes. with your body <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I already bought myself a t-shirt that I'm wearing right now. She is. It looks really good. And it's really comfortable. It's the white on black version of the logo, the Knickknack News. Yes. And um, like I said, they have a bunch of different designs of t-shirt on there. So I, I got the like relaxed fit one. So it's like really comfy. So anyway, it's just fun. But yeah. we're just letting you all know we have that and it's fun and you can get our logo on a mug <laughs> and you can support our show by buying some merch. So I need to go uh, buy it. I need to go buy some stuff. So, yeah, so we made it to 25 episodes and we're really happy and thank you everyone for listening. Yeah. Thus far and we hope you keep listening and we are still going strong and we love doing this and it's really fun for us. So, yeah, we have no we have no plans to stop because it's nope. still like the highlight one of the highlights of every single week. Yes. Me, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh if you like what you heard, <laughs> back to our back to our <laughs> back regularly to our scheduled day. program. Uh, if you like what you heard, you can uh, subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and uh, whatever other apps you might use for podcasts. Uh, and you can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at at knickknacknews. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Some merch.